Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Property Management Show, where we deep dive into the world of property management, marketing, and entrepreneurship. Your hosts are Marie Tuffman and Brittany Jones from Four and Half Marketing Agency. Since 2012, we have helped hundreds of property managers like you grow their business by using marketing that attracts owner leads. Whether you need help with your website, your SEO, online reputation, um, paid advertising like pay-per-click, social media, content like video and blogs, you name it, we can help you. Visit fourandhalf.com to learn more. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. So in the last episode of the Property Management Show, we were talking to uh, Jessica Schermeister and Jason Zimmerman from Trendshop Property Management about midterm rentals. And, you know, we were talking then about the basics of, you know, this kind of flavor of property property management, as well as how they got into that uh, business. In part two, we dive deep more into kind of like the finances, like when it may make sense, when it may not, as well as some challenges along the way that they've encountered in their experience. So here is part two of our discussion. I have a question. You mentioned the investment um, a, a while back about purchasing the furnishings, right? So given that investment, are you recommending uh, to current long-term um, clients to convert to midterm? Uh, or is it mostly just the properties that already are there or are getting purchased? Yeah. So what, what I do um, is sort of crunch the numbers. I'm a, I'm a numbers person and my, my, my goal managing for other people is to help them make money. So there is um, a point where it starts to make sense. And, and that really is, is, are, are we going to be able to get $4,000 or more um, every month for your house um, is where it kind of, after looking at 50 deals, that's where it starts to make sense. If you have a real small property, um, you'll see a lot more competition in the furnished market. And the so many of the fixed costs are not, um, they don't grow with, with the rent. Um, meaning your internet bill is the same, whether I rent your house for $9,000 a month or $2,000. Like there's not a surcharge because you're it's a big fancy house, right? Internet is fixed. Um, the cost, if it's on a normal city lot, even the cost for lawn care between a million dollar house and a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house is probably exactly the same if they have the same lot size. So those fixed costs that don't you know come down with with a cheaper property or less expensive property, those erode the benefits of furnishing. Um, to where you're probably not going to make any more money. But once, you know, you can find a property that will, will generate, you know, 50, 60, $70,000 a year, then you have that extra gross revenue to cover all of the expenses for the utilities and the, all those new things that you wouldn't be paying for. Mm-hmm. Um, the other uh, sort of strategic financial thing to evaluate that I think is so important and why I, I, um, I've personally furnished half of my houses. Now I have, I own 16 and now I've got eight of them furnished. Um, is that there's very few opportunities where you can increase the rental value of your home significantly without increasing the property tax base or the insurance expense. So 
if you want to get, oh, I want a house that'll rent for $5,000 a month, like you can go buy a more expensive house, but then you got your taxes and your insurance and all that go up, your repairs, the roof is bigger, the, everything's more expensive. But if you can take um, a smaller property and take it upscale on the finish out, uh, the tax assessor isn't going to come in and say, wow, you bought a $2,500 recliner. That's really awesome. I'm going to, they don't right? that's not property. That's not, yeah. that's not going to, you, you don't have to pay that every, every year to the county. So um, because of that, it, it, it does, um, it, it does make sense on, on properties that are, are maintained really well. Um, and that can, you know, be in a market where, where uh, they can generate enough money to where your, your your net goes up. And when I've talked to clients about it, I I kind of, like for me personally, I put that at about, if I can increase my net profit by $5,000 a year, then it's worth the effort of doing, making the, the kind of that change. Um, and different people will have a different number. Uh, for that, you know, so that's that's kind of where I would start and say, hey, how much more w- would you have to make every year for this to be worth your while? Um, and then the other thing is is r- really too back to that um, maybe the long term strategic plan of the owner. If mm-hmm. if they're like, I want this house to be in great shape when my kids inherit it twenty years from now, then they may be really interested in furnishing it out because now we can take care of that home at a much higher level for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not going to be, you know, run down. And then you hit a, get a huge, you know, CapEx ex- expense if the whole home needs an update. Um, and so, so, so those would be the two big reasons. If you either, you want, you really want to take care of that house a lot better, um, you know, or, and, or, you know, increase that annual um, positive cash flow. Yes, absolutely. Because I I feel like every, you know, guest tenant that we haven't had in there, I don't think there's one that I haven't, you know, made a house call in and like Mm -hmm. gone to put eyes on the property while they're there. So you do constantly have someone at your house putting eyes on it. Whereas, you know, sometimes a long term tenant, you don't. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I had a question. I was just thinking of this when you were talking about, you know, furnishings, um, do you ever encounter owners who want to save money by using their old furniture in their furnished rentals? <laughs> and like, I can, I can think of like 10 things that could go wrong with that, but do you encounter that? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and you just have to explain it in a way where as, you know, if you are coming to this rental and paying, you know, 4,000 and above for it, would you, put in a bad review and complain if there was stains on the couch or if there was crayons on the coffee table, you know? So it's being able to explain it in a nice way. Like there's a higher level of standard when it comes to furniture and furnishings and we can use some of your stuff, but not all of it. And so it's going through with them and explaining why it doesn't work um, and why we need new ones and then giving them estimates on new furniture. That part must be exciting when you tell them to part with money <laughs> to invest in the property, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. But most, most have, people take it pretty well. You know, do you have a checklist? There is, I'm sorry, what? 
Like, do you like a checklist of stuff? Hey, go purchase this or do you purchase it on their behalf or? So we have found in the years that we've been doing that, that it's very, it's a lot easier for us to go purchase them um, because we have learned what works and what doesn't work. Um, So in order for us to do turns and for us to have it be, you know, run smoothly and efficiently, you know, most people don't think about, you know, like shower curtains, having them linen so you can wash them in between turns. So you don't have added costs buying new stuff every single time. Mm -hmm. Most people don't think about that. Um, So letting us go in and purchasing it and along with, you know, we know what brands will stand the tell of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's just a lot easier for us to go do it Um, along with, you know, some people will go out and, by, you know, colorful things. And sometimes that just doesn't work. Like, you know, most of the time we were, we will buy, you know, like white towels, white linens. So that way we can bleach them in between guests. Um, cause that's just, it's an added benefit that mm-hmm. most people like as a guest. Um, so we definitely do like doing it and we do have a list. Um, you know, it's just a furnished home list that I go through with a new client. Um, and you just check to see if it's in the home and if not, it's just things that need to be added before we market it. That makes sense. And now I'm kind of like, Oh, of course you do that. You're managing, you're managing the property. <laughs> yeah. There are, I mean, occasionally a time where an owner may have some, uh, you know, really, quality things in, in a home. And if the situation, if, if somebody is really actually downsizing, they may simply have really nice things that, mm-hmm. that, um, they can use. And so I, I would often ask an owner, well, why don't you want it? Ah, the answer is like, question. well, because it sucks and it's uncomfortable, then no, we don't want to live in the <laughs> there house. You go. Yeah. But if it's like, yeah, we, we're it's going from a five bad. bedroom house to a two bedroom house and I don't need this, you know, this really nice bedroom set because I don't have that bedroom anymore, then, then it may make sense. But mm-hmm. I, when, when, when talking to people that are contemplating making this change, I have mm-hmm. found a, a good way to think about it is if you're going to get into the furnished home uh, rental business on anything short term, medium, long, whatever. Um, you're you're starting a small business. You know, if if you can find a, a brand new turnkey home to go buy, you're just buying a house, and you can. It's not going to need any work. You buy a house, and you're going to put up for rent, and that's it. Um, mm-hmm. And that that is pretty simple. Um, getting into furnished is the starting of a business. Like if you know, and the and the building is part of it like if you're to go buy a building to put a restaurant in but mm-hmm. then also the the rest of starting that restaurant is you're going to buy tables and spoons mm-hmm. and all you know placemats and tablecloths and a million other things mm-hmm. and just like a good restaurant doesn't not buy good tables and good mm-hmm. chairs you know your your house your business that you're starting uh is going to need that that stuff and um it's a great question to run by your CPA is to ask, mm-hmm. hey, if I did spend $45,000 on furnitures, how, how am I going to be able to depreciate that? Because it is, uh, um, most people find pretty favorable uh, depreciation schedules on on furniture because it, uh, um, you know, it's, it's not like a house where they make you stretch it out for two or three decades. So mm-hmm. it can... Um, can be a great way if you have some money to invest and you're not knowing what to do with it, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, it can be a very good, 
you know, way to really build value into your house. Yeah. yeah and I, I like will say, you. like, if people do have, you know, like some stuff that needs to be replaced, I mean, most people, once you explain the theory behind it, they are extremely realistic and, you know, say like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yes, yeah. we'll change that out. And most of the time, you know, especially when people do want this, they do have nice furniture. So it's just kind of filling in the pieces. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And mm-hmm. I had one final question. So um, I know that short-term rentals have been inundated with so much regulation now, like from coast to coast. Um, do you feel like the more people get into midterm, regulation might also follow and make it harder? Or do you feel like that's nowhere in the horizon? Um, so there's two places that can do like rules and regulations over rentals and that's you know the city they have their own rules and regulations and then now we're starting to see it with a lot of HOAs mm-hmm. um so when we do do client meetings we like to check with the city rules and regulations just to see what they are um along with the HOA a lot of the time we're seeing about that 30 night mark um and that's you know just the HOA the city's way of trying to keep out those weekenders that are coming for parties and trying to keep it on like a month to month base lease. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't you agree, Jason? That's yeah. And I, I would seeing. be, I guess um, I, I've thought through it legally quite a bit. <clears throat> and I, I don't know that, that a city could really get down to the level of, well, you can't rent a house with a couch in it. Uh, I think the furniture non-furnished, um, hopefully is a, th- is a thing that cities don't get into. I guess there's a lot of crazy cities out there. So mm-hmm. I, I don't see that being uh, an obstacle. And I, I also would be surprised if, if the midterm rental um, uh, tenants are, are going to be doing enough disruption in neighborhoods that it will warrant a response because for the most part, they're, it's it's a very similar use uh, to, to just you know somebody being in there um, for you know a twelve month lease versus a six month lease. It's a pretty similar uh, activity, I guess, for the for the house. So I, I don't anticipate a lot of um, you know further, I guess, frustrations coming around. Mm-hmm. You know, if if there was an increased supply and and, and people having that furnished long term and um, and I kind of would anticipate that just the trend of having furnished homes available uh, for any sort of lease is going to, you know, be on the uptick. Like we're already seeing that in um, and have for the last decade in college markets and some of the real upscale college housing. Um, now that's that's either just included or it can be added in for not a huge expense. And um you know that uh, that's going to start planting the seeds and in, in, in right in future renters said, hey, that well in college I didn't have to get my own junk. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> like why do I really need need yeah. all my new junk? You know, so no, I I think the 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 long term uh, viability of that would be would be pretty good, and um, even like even if you did like see a real you know draconian twelve month minimum which mm-hmm. which some HOAs are doing. Oh uh, really? 
I have, I've seen a few and they're, um, I, I think those are going to eventually be challenged legally. Um, just, um, we've seen in, in, in Texas, a, a few, um, HOAs get sued just on discrimination for, for, um, there was one where, where they were, they prohibited, um, a landlord from using, a renting a house if they were getting a check from a third party, like a, like a section eight or a voucher. Oh, they just wow. said you, you can't do that. And, and self-managing AOAs, HOAs. Yeah. So, so, so that was, <laughs> that was maybe the first time where an HOA really, um, like overstepped to, to where like the state has them. And, you know, actually you can't as an HOA discriminate against people in that way. So I think that we will see, um, uh, discrimination suits start off to say, Hey, why, why can somebody, you know, buy a house, live there for six months and sell it. And somebody not rent a house, live there for six months and move out. It's, um, uh, renter like status like that isn't a protected class yet, but, but the, but the trend in housing is to get away from discrimination, not move towards it. And so I would anticipate that we'll, we'll see, um, you know, more legislation, almost in, in favor of, of both, um, you know, sort of landlord and tenants rights, like in opposition to city and HOA restrictions. Um, because it is, uh, um, it was a, a big talked about issue at our last Texas um, annual real estate meeting. Some of these HOAs getting, um, in trouble with the state for things that, that they thought were discriminating. And, and that is, um, that is the direction that they're going. So I, I kind of think that'll get corrected. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I, I think long-term, um, like I'm not concerned about it enough that I'm, I'm changing course on what I'm, how I'm investing with my own houses. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for all those insights. Is there anything else you'd like to share to our audience who, may be tempted to venture into, you know, furnished housing in their property management business after hearing all the benefits that you shared with us today. <laughs> Any final kind of party thoughts or advice? You know, I would say the biggest thing that uh, you'll uh, investor, if they're trying to analyze, hey, is this something that I should do, is you do need to look at it um, as, a, uh, as a yearly um uh, you know, like run your analysis of all your income and expenses yearly because it's not consistent. You know, you're going to have, um, I see people getting into it that maybe they shouldn't because they're like, well, if I'm not netting $2,200 a month, I don't have any money to make my mortgage. Mm -hmm. If that's your situation, then, um, which like that was me on my first rent house, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't be into real estate because you got to start somewhere. But the ups and downs and the inconsistent cash flow of a furnished rental will probably add like unneeded stress to your life because mm-hmm. you'll have good months and bad months. And um, most markets, prices change seasonally. You know, there's a mm-hmm. peak season and an unpeak season. Like you're like it's really cheap to go to stay in a fancy house and bail in April when everything's mud. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's not Christmas. <laughs> Christmas yeah. is probably eight times as much as mud mm-hmm. season. So if you're like, well, the, I can't make it through mud season, then you shouldn't, you know, then that's not going to be a good thing. So, you know, really crunch the numbers annually 
And then uh, the other thing is to calculate in, um, like look, look back and say, how much did my last make ready cost me between my tenants? And then as you're crunching numbers looking forward, um, if you're to furnish it, think, hey, um, yeah, you're going to have some more expenses along the way, but um, but you're probably not going to get that giant make ready um, every two years or however often your tenants move out. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then to not freak out like first month it goes bad because, you know, things are up and down and, and tenants will do bad things. And you're like, what am I doing this for? And so just step back and say, Hey, what, how's the last 12 months been? Um, and, big picture. and yep. So keep the big picture in mind. And if that's mm-hmm. like, if that, you know, is causing you stress, just hearing it, then, <laughs> then, it, then there may be so much uncertainty in the business that, you know, I may not be a good fit. I hate to see people get into something that, that, uh, is going to keep them up at night or, mm-hmm. um, you know, just has other negative effects because you'll have really good months and you'll, uh, you know, you might get that awesome six month tenant and you're going to feel like you're the smartest investor ever. Mm-hmm. And then, but then it might sit there for three weeks and you don't get it. You're not hearing from anybody. And then you get all those utility bills and you're going to feel you're like, like oh, I was idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it is, it's a cyclical thing. And, um, mm-hmm. and so you just kind of have to um, look at it. Uh, not, not, you know, on a weekly monthly basis, you know, we have often our, New clients, they'll be every week want to call Jessica and say, well, who, who's who's coming next? And what, where are they right? And like, if you're going to obsess over it like that, like um, probably not a good, a good idea because you'll, you'll make yourself crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when you have to remind them, this is an investment. It's not your home <laughs> anymore. Mm-hmm. It's okay that no one's in it this week. You know, it's good. It's going to be okay. And some people yeah. don't, some people don't have the stomach for that. Um, mm-hmm. but that's when you have to mm-hmm. remind them, you know, we do have slow times and then we do have super busy times. So, mm-hmm. and you know, Jessica made a good thing, just of things I've seen people get into that, that they didn't end up enjoying it. If you feel an emotional attachment to your house, mm-hmm. if you're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to cry. If somebody, you know, puts a nick in that room where I measured how tall my kid was. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, if you're Take like, well, no, over that, those yeah. markings, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, but you got to move and, and you want to stay in, invested. Um, either you got to get to the point where you're like, hey, that was our house and I'm not real emotionally tied to it and that's okay. Or, you know, like sell that one and buy one specifically as a investment mm. because um, we, we do definitely see people struggle emotionally. Like when something bad happens, um, mm-hmm. and wins because in, in real estate, something bad will happen someday. Like it's, it's, it will happen. If that's going to make you miserable, then, then sell that house and just like start fresh. Cause you're, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the ability to pick out the perfect house for a furnished home, uh, for lots of reasons will, will pay off. Um, uh, things that are, um, just like massively important. Like I personally, when I'm looking now, I won't buy one if it wasn't uh, built with foam insulation because mm-hmm. your Airbnb guests are going to get there. And when it's 112 degrees out there, putting that air on 68, no matter what you say. Mm-hmm. And if you put some kind of janky limiter on the air conditioning and somebody's paying 7,000 bucks a month, 
trust me, you're going to get murdered on, on your review. <laughs> so you need something that's insulated, you know, uh, so you don't get a $900 electric bill. And mm-hmm. that, you know, on traditional landlords don't normally think about utility costs because it's mm-hmm. up to the tenants that you, the tenants right. are paying. It. That's true. But, but you go and add, you know, we, we just foamed a house just to improve the insulation. We saw our utility bill go down over $200 a month. Wow. Well, that's, and it costs us wow. about 10,000 bucks to foam it, which sounds like, well, $10,000, that's a ton for an uh, upgrade on insulation. But if it saves us $2,400 a year, we're making 24% on our insulation, right? Like that's mm-hmm. our, that's our savings. That's, there's not a lot of good options where you can put $10,000 and, and make, you know, 2,400 bucks a year. So, so things exactly. like that are so important. Well, and, and especially like, Oh, sorry. So I was just going to say like, if the, the demands of tenants is so high, mm-hmm. um, like I've just, encourage a client at a house that's 25 years old it's certainly not you know shot or anything but was thinking about taking the plunge to furnish and i said let's sell that one because for thirty thousand dollars more than we sold your house for we can go to a little different area and get you new construction Mm -hmm. right now our tenant complaints are going to be way less because Mm -hmm. everything just has to be perfect and and your um uh you know, doing that in a historic home can be a nightmare, but new construction, if it was done right, it, it can, you can deliver what people are asking for um, a lot better. It's why you see a lot of hotels like sell their buildings and lease them back for 30 years. Cause they know they don't want them in 30 years either, yes. <laughs> you know, um, uh, cause it, it'll cost them as much to remodel as it would be to, right. to build from scratch. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, brand new uh or like nearly new construction super well insulated high energy efficient features is um can save you massively on a furnished home yeah especially you know since our midterm rentals we do have the utilities included um and since we do state that we can we can't regulate and you know mandate on how much they use because if you yeah. think about when you go into a hotel the first thing you do is bump down the thermostat because you want it cold in there. <laughs> and, you know, and that's exactly what people who stay in an Airbnb want too, because everyone has their own, you know, specific idea of what is comfortable. And so there's no way to regulate that. And so buying a home that's energy efficient and one that has insulation, good windows, it's really going to help with your utilities. I make it too cold for Marie. I know we were always <laughs> fighting at the Airbnb because she's they always burning. Always. Yeah, there was a I limiter. Like it really that was, cold. That was yeah. a surprising thing. There was so, a limiter. Yeah. Did, the did you yeah. find that kind of like uh, like they're being cheap? Like it was. It was. That I just thought like it was a little think? bit awkward because I like so. It was actually so. It was in Atlanta, and it was getting really cold at night in like the forties. Um, mm-hmm. But at the, they had the thermostat. The therm the thermostat set to cool in sixty eight, so it's not going to cool it at all because it's already colder. But we couldn't heat it, so it was like it was just awkward because I texted them. I was like, "Hey, how um, do we do the um, the heat? We've got some people here who are, who are a little chilly." And then they <laughs> turned it up to like seventy four or something. And then I was like, "Well, wait, I don't. We don't need That's it too, that much. Hot. Yeah, right. too much." I'm like, "Can we just like?" 
have it heated like a couple degrees or something. So it was just, <laughs> it was just a little bit uncomfortable because I didn't mm-hmm. want to bother them, but it was also like you're restricting. Um, yeah. this thing. And to your point, it was an older home because it, so it, it makes sense. That's why there was a, the insulation ha- is probably yeah. not foam or, you know, what other options, other ones there are, but um yeah, and that's definitely something that we try to avoid just because, you know, if that did happen to me in a rental, I would be annoyed. Like, yeah. why Why can't I just do this? Like, I'm paying yeah. all of this money to stay here and I can't even turn the heat up. Like, I'm freezing. Mm, and that's yeah. the thing, too, right? So, like, it was it was late. Or like, do we text the host? But then mm-hmm. it's like, I, we don't want to bother them, but we're also And freezing. they were extremely responsive, too. So that was one thing. But it's like, you also don't want people to feel like, awk and... Yeah. Not mm-hmm. want to. Yeah. And too, we have found it's a big negative. Any sort of uh, landlord meddling into the into that sort of um, quiet use of the house, um, kind of a real estate term or quiet enjoyment. Um, one of the things I think a lot of Airbnb hosts fail to sort of learn is just some basics of real estate because a lot of people get straight into Airbnb hosting without having real estate license or any training mm-hmm. is that, uh, I mean, it, it, you are a tenant. Like, I mean, you can call them a guest or a whatever, but it's, it's still a landlord tenant relationship and the duration mm-hmm. doesn't change that. And people mm-hmm. just, you know, that's part of in most States, like tenant rights is, is, you know, to be able to use the property the, the way it's designed to be used and having to text somebody to turn the heat up is just not mm-hmm. giving that person who rented your home um, what they paid for. Um, yeah. You know, if you, uh, um, I've been in, you know, we, we had a, where were we, maybe in Italy, where at that time, like utilities were crazy expensive mm-hmm. and they put it in writing. They're like, when you get here, you got to give us like 300 euros if you want to put the air, you know, get the thing on. But they disclosed oh. it. It was going to cost them a fortune. <laughs> Right. Yeah. A lot of people that were just used to dealing like not all homes had it. So that was their uh-huh. their thing. But if you're not going to put in your disclosure that, oh, you can rent this, but not use the thermostat. Um, right. There's a there's an assumption that they you should be able to. Yeah. And, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I feel like, the, you know, a lot of hosts and, you know, people that are starting to do this, they do kind of forget the element that this is such a review based business. That, you know, if if I were there staying and I had, you know, a thermostat that was regulated and I was freezing, that would probably be the first thing that I would put on a review. And (laughs) it's not because, you know, like I'm trying to be, you know, the Karen or anything like that or, you know, complain. (laughs) Um, But it's just that kind of aspect where, you know, you're there to have privacy and to be comfortable and if they're trying to over-regulate that, it's it's not going to go well for them. Yeah, all those things, anyone thinking about it, just don't, any sort of video, doorbell, any video, anything, just do not do that. It, it just immediately, um, you know, I've been in enough uh, Airbnbs where I'll just, just kind of walk in. If I see a camera, I'm just going to unplug the modem. Um, mm. and, and, and people now just know, well, that's just what I I'm going to do. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's pretty uncomfortable. I mean, everyone's got a hotspot on your phone, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, just it, it is, um, the data from like our, we have a really awesome, um, 
rep at Airbnb who helps us with stuff and they get, they're like, they love data and they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, like 98% of people hate any sort of a video, anything. And yeah. I've had, but I'm seeing I've it more commonly, like where they, where they're saying we're monitoring who's walking in and out. Yeah. Like everybody has yeah. the ring cameras. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. The last two yep. I stayed at uh, had them. Um, and I know some people really want them, but it's, it is interesting how it's coming up more. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, we had, I mean, once you have one experience like that, we were traveling for a funeral and had family members stop over because we were going to literally ride together to a funeral. Mm -hmm. And I get a notice from the host. Hey, I noticed you had six people walk through the front door. I'm like, okay, I'm going to unplug the modem now, you know, leave me alone. Like you just, um, Again, nobody wants to be stalked. Situation. And, yeah. Right. and yeah, and your use of a, of a home. I mean, we're not having a party, but if if you have family and they're going to, you know, come by and whatever, it's it's not a violation of any any rule mm-hmm. or any ordinance. It's not illegal. Um, yeah. You know, you really do have to. If if you can't rent the house and then not feel like you have to spy on the people, you shouldn't do it because yeah. Uh, that that will get you bad reviews, and then you'll be then you'll mm-hmm. be out of business because um, mm-hmm. it it doesn't take more than three of those. If three people comment on that, um, it will quickly have a big negative impact on Absolutely. people booking because it's one of those things you don't think of to think about. Like, oh, yeah. should I think to ask? Are you going to be creeper stalking me while I'm there? <laughs> you know, most people don't because they assume they're not right. But then yeah. once they see it in, in a review. And you're like, whoa, I don't, you know, yeah. that, mm-hmm. uh, that sounds awful, you know, yeah. my God. so especially like we have a couple homes with pools, right? Like yes. people are going to be super sensitive. Oh, we don't want any pool yeah. parties. So we're going to watch you yeah. in the swimming pool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By anyone else ever coming. Right. <laughs> what, what somebody puts a, you know, a comment about your pool camera on exactly. your listing. I mean, like I'm not staying there. So. Not going there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Not so. everyone, not everyone needs to see this in a bathing suit either. So, and I'm sure most people, <laughs> you know, probably agree with that. Like I don't need some stranger seeing me in a bathing suit either. Yeah. So, And the possibility of like recording and it's just, it's yeah. just weird. It's just weird. Yeah. yeah. A lot yeah. of creepy aspects so. about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this discussion has been very, very helpful and kind of like, uncovering this big world of midterm and furnished rentals, right? Like I coming in had a lot of, you know, assumptions that were plainly not true. Right. And so thank you so much for the stories and the insights that you gave us and our audience. Very helpful. Of course. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thanks for letting us do this. It was great. And that's all we have for this episode of the Property Management Show brought to you by Four and Half Marketing Agency. Since 2012, we have been helping property managers just like you grow their business by getting you more owner leads through marketing. Whether you need help with your website, your SEO, online reputation, video or blog content, copywriting, you know, um, social media, 
paid advertising. Did I already say that? You name it, we can help you. Visit fourandhalf.com to get growth started today. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and show us some love by leaving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, any comments about this one, go ahead and send an email to marketing at fourandhalf.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you next time.